35,000 decisions. That's the average number one adult makes a day. Some are minuscule, others are paradigm shifting. But how many are we making and we're not even considering the ripple effect they're setting into motion? She chooses as a place purpose to help women harness decision-making power by allowing God to open our eyes and give us courage to make the one that leads to obedience to his plan. The one that leads us to the promise of hope and future that he's laid out for each of us. If you find yourself in a place where life seems to be obstructing that view and your current state is stuck, meet me at She Chooses where together we work intentionally to choose Jesus over and over again. Hey, it's Jessica. You're listening to episode number seven, where we're diving into one of those bad words of scripture. Shocking. I know. It's one of those words that no one wants to talk about and a lot of people shy away from, but today we're facing it head on and we're being real. What are we talking about? We're talking about surrender, a word so many of us cannot stand to hear because of this super negative connotation that's attached to it. Our minds tie it directly to wartime and one side waving a white flag, willingly handing victory over to their opponent. It's an admission of defeat. No one wants that. And this definition is totally true. But when it comes to our relationship with God, the negative connotation has got to go. Taking it there, surrender has nothing to do with giving up victory and everything to do with giving God victory. Victory over our mind, our home, our life everything. Surrender in Him is a must if we ever want to experience the authentic faith that so many of us are searching for, yearning for, and pursuing after. Alone listening to a podcast on my way to work that day, Just me, Jesus, and a wandering mind mulling through events of the morning, processing things that didn't happen and those that did, but should have gone differently. I'm a fixer. Anyone else? Maybe it's frustration when your husband can't find his shirt, the bills when money is tight, the pain when your little one falls, or your home when it's a mess. Whatever it might be, I have this desire in me to get things done. I want to fix them, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, it doesn't matter. I have that mindset, let me roll up my sleeves, get out of my way, I'm going to get it done. That day, however, was a bad morning and I was a mess. A home should be filled with peace, love, joy, comfort, but I can't be these things on my own and this day magnified my inability. Some days, the house is a wreck, our schedule is bursting, the kids are crazy, the dog is barking, and I am at my wit's end. I don't know how to be peace, love, joy, and comfort in these moments. And I hate to admit it, but my fix-it nature doesn't always work. Some days, like this one specifically, I fail, like miserably. And I'm left swarming in a pit of shame, like near drowning in negative thoughts that I have got to get under control, capture, and crucify. As I sat there in my car, 
mulling through these things, one of those gracious moments of revelation happened and God opened my eyes to see, no, I can't be the peace, love, joy, and comfort that my family needs, that my home needs, but I do know the God of peace, love, joy, and comfort. And rather than trying to strong arm my way through, I needed to surrender to him, which is powerful truth that we all need to hear. We cannot be the perfection in our home, but we can ask the God of perfection into our home. We have these really great intentions. We want to do our best to be our best. However, when we don't meet those standards, we're often left feeling defeated without ever considering that maybe this thing that we're attempting to fix is not ours to mend. Friends, it is really encouraging to me to hear your feedback. If today's episode is helpful, let me know. Tell me about it. Share it. Grab a screenshot of the episode. Post it to your Instagram and tag at JD Hartsey. Or leave an Apple podcast review. When you do, you help elevate She Chooses and the search results of others, making it easier for others to find and join in on the fun. As women, we like to think we have everything under control. We love to exude this air of perfection to those around us. And we want desperately to seem as though we've got it all together because anything less than that tells the world that we are not the woman we are supposed to be. Or so we think. My original thoughts in my car that morning were not surrendered, and I was not planning to do any waiting on the Lord to work me out. No, instead, I was attempting to work things out myself, preoccupied with thoughts, thinking, tomorrow I'm going to do this this way and that that way. And really, I was problem-solving my way to perfection. But the truth is, Jesus, he never asks us to fix ourselves, and he never asks us for perfection. Actually, he longs to be our fixer and our perfection. We see that very clearly in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where it says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. Those are some of the most powerful words that we will ever hear. While we were yet sinners, he did his own sleeve rolling, declaring to the spiritual realm, take a seat as he alone took care of a mess we would never and will never have the ability to problem solve on our own as he alone fixed something we could never do. By his perfection, we were redeemed. If ever there was a fixer, it is the Lord. You know, isn't it mind-blowing to think about? Let's think about that for a second. We quickly trust him with our salvation, yet we struggle trusting him in other areas. And this is something I've been really trying to wrap my brain around a lot lately. Eagerly trust him with the eternal salvation of our soul, but the temporal, mm, not so much. We struggle to trust him with our bills when money is tight, our parenting when we don't know what to do, our occupation when we don't know our next step, or directing us to our spouse, 
or our stress when it piles on. You know, trusting him with the unknown of the here and now is difficult, yet we've placed our hope for the life after this, the one that has no end, willingly in his hands. We all struggle with this. And that's not a shame statement at all. It's really an observation. Learning to trust God is all part of this sanctification process. Sanctification is a refining. It's not a one and done moment that takes place in a baptismal tank. And it is not perfected the moment you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Those things are both absolutely necessary. We cannot make it into heaven without being baptized in the name of Jesus and receiving the Holy Ghost with that evidence, that sign that we have indeed received. It's about speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Those things are necessary, but they are not the end all of what God desires to do in us. No matter how wonderful and earth-shattering both of those events are, these moments actually mark the beginning of this process. It's a process that God desires every believer to endure, but it's one we all have freedom to choose. How far are we going to allow God to take us through it? You know, through sanctification, a person, they're set apart for a purpose. They're purified from their sin and they're consecrated for the purpose of the Lord. And really, that whole separation thing can be a lot to take in and is really a topic for a whole nother podcast episode. So for now, let's table the depth of that topic and just understand that sanctification is a process that God consistently called his people into. And we see it clear back to Abraham. It's a beautiful truth, which requires a whole lot of surrender when it comes comes to trusting God with different areas of our life, I imagine it this way. We're holding on to this treasure, and that treasure is our idea. It's our plan. It's our thought. But God is our creator. He knows why we are here. He knows our giftings better than we do, and he ultimately knows what is going to satisfy our soul. So in order to get us there, God is ever so gently working to draw us through this sanctification process, working to pry our fingers off that treasure and into the place of absolute surrender, the place where we accept his ways are higher than ours, even in the midst of the pain and uncertainty, and where we're willing to decrease by laying everything down, taking our hands off of things in exchange for him to increase by allowing room for his will, his plan, his purpose. But to receive it, we've got to let go. And letting go is typically followed by a wait as he works in his time to reveal the next step. You know, I personally, I'm a I'm a real big fan of the bippity-boppity-boo method. You know, Cinderella and her fairy godmother, they had something there. Wouldn't it be wonderful if really that was what our interaction with God was like? It would. It would, but it's not. And it's not realistic to think that that's how God wants to interact with us. Instead, our method is pray, seek, wait. I can't stand waiting. I loathe waiting at the doctor's office. I can't stand to wait to hear back from an interview or to find out test results. No matter the type of waiting, I cannot stand it. And you probably can't either. 
I know you can't because we love things like microwaves, instant pots, two days, and even really in some places, 30-minute shipping. We love Instacart. We love DoorDash. We love all of these things. And there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. The problem is how they shape and condition us to think everything is that quick. You know, I had to wait six weeks on a package over the holidays, and it was infuriating me to a level that was embarrassing because we want what we want when we want it on our terms. Bippity-boppity-boo. However, no matter how strong our feelings towards waiting are, they have zero impact on the fact that God says it's a requirement to his plan. His plan, it uses waiting in a painfully necessary way. Through that process, it purges the conditioning of this world and it molds our flesh into a posture of submission and it teaches us the power of surrender. It's one of those seeming nonsensical truths that we find so often in God's word where we find our surrender leads to victory and we're like, how in the crazy world does that even make sense? But it's God's word. It's, it's his plan. It's his way. And it's okay that it doesn't make sense to our mind because his ways are higher than ours. I haven't always lived for Jesus. I've always known about his existence, but I have not always lived my life for him. A lot of my life was lived buying into the mentality of this world, and that resulted in my mind being shaped and conditioned by our culture. Our, our world and our culture often declares individualism. It tells us self-help your way to it, and it says perfection is a requirement. And to see those things, all you have to do is look at airbrushing, Look at camera filters, Pinterest. This illusion of perfection is all around us. And that mentality is one that we have to learn to battle. Taking all of those DIY self-help thoughts captive and learning time and time again to surrender to God's plan and His will, allowing God the opportunity to rewire our thoughts and bring them into submission to His ways, which unfortunately requires effort on our part where we have got to tell our flesh, no. And stopping your natural tendency is not pleasant. Some days, it's easier than others. And some areas are easier to release than others. And some are really painful to lay down and let go of. Jesus, he gives us a picture of what absolute surrender looks like when we we find him praying in the garden And we read about it in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but thou wilt. That, that is the epitome of surrender. Jesus was fully God. Jesus is God. We know that we see it in verses like Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Or John 1 and 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or John 1 and 14, where it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God, and he was also fully man. We see his humanity with such clarity in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, as he's there praying, take away this cup from me. 
You know, Jesus, he's a pattern for us to follow. And here we see that human surrender, human surrender is not always easy. But just as necessary as that surrender was in that garden, it is equally necessary for us. It shows us that our struggle with our flesh is real and it gives us permission to acknowledge its difficulty. And it also shows us what to do in those moments when it becomes unbearable. You know, look at what happened as he poured himself out. It was paving a way for our redemption. His fleshly surrender paved a way for heaven's victory. Look at the kingdom advancement that took place due to his surrender. He emptied his flesh, came to terms with what had to be released. He acknowledged his flesh. He acknowledged his struggle and he poured it out in prayer and he came to the end of his humanity so that his humanity did not have control over him. And he got to a point where his body became a vessel that opened a door to our salvation. What sort of vessel does God desire us to be? And what sort of door does God desire our life to open for those around us? It's an interesting thought to pray over and process. It's beautiful to think about where our surrender could lead, which brings us to a point of reflection where we have to ask, you know, what is controlling me today? What is controlling you today? Is it your idea of perfection? Is it your desire of what you want to happen in life? Is it your anxiety over the unknown? Is it uncertainty? Is it your flesh's desire to rule over you? It draws my mind to that beautiful song that says, Make me a vessel. Wash me white as snow. Purify this heart of mine. Lord, I'm giving you control. Purifying this heart of mine, that requires surrender. Jesus, he calls us to that same place of absolute surrender that he was in, where we get to that place where we reach the end of ourselves, giving him control, purifying us and drawing us to that place where we pour everything inside of us out before him as an offering, willing to lay everything down for the sake of God's purpose, where we understand there is something greater than what we're experiencing now and that it's not our will, but it's his. Too often a person will jump into a baptismal, they will receive the Holy Ghost and assume they have arrived. But I, I kid you not, as earth shattering as those experiences are, you've just tasted the tiniest bit. There's more. There is so much more that God desires to do through you. There's so much more to learn, and there's so much more refining to be done. There is so much more of our flesh to purge so that we can become that vessel, that conduit of faith, that city set up on a hill that God desires to mold us into. And he uses these moments of surrender to shape us. You know, this surrender is something that we experience at different points. Yes, in that baptismal, you confess Jesus as Lord. You repent of your sin. You step into covenant relationship with him. Yes, also, when you receive that Holy Ghost, you surrender to his sovereignty. But those are only two points. 
There are other areas and stages along this path of sanctification that require different types and areas of surrender. As I've been purposing myself to live for Jesus, I have found him along the way, gently opening my eyes to different unsurrendered spaces in my heart. And these are places that I had no idea that were there, but God chose to reveal them to me in his timing as he continues to work to mold me along the way and through this process. And he does the same thing to you. He knows what you can take. He knows when it's time to reveal things to you. And he knows exactly what he's doing. I wonder maybe if he's revealing an unsurrendered space in your heart right now, or if you find yourself struggling like me. Maybe you too are trying to be the perfect woman according to this world's standards. And maybe you're trying to purpose your way to be the best wife. And maybe you're also trying to checklist your way to be a better mom. You know, this this world's standards and our ideas and our methods, they leave us striving and they leave us going it alone and exhausted, feeling completely unfruitful and at times really hopeless. But God didn't leave us here to flounder and be bound in these thoughts of inadequacy and failure. He offered help and his help, which we can have if we choose it. So let's focus on that choice today. What if we chose to ask God for help in these areas? What if we accepted the fact that we cannot plan, pin, or post our way into perfection? What would happen if we, rather than seeking our own perfection, we started seeking God's? That's exactly what God revealed to me in that car on that day. I was trying to checklist and strategize my way to a better day to bringing peace, love, comfort, joy into my home, and I had not even considered talking to God about it. Which is silly. I had not considered that He, the Prince of Peace, the source of joy, the definition of love, and the comforter would want to speak to me and help me unleash this into my home. What He magnified in my mind that day was so simplistically profound you know, too often we we all skip over it, but we find it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tired sister, what is this saying to you? It says, Do not be anxious about your chaotic morning. Do not be anxious about the stress of your calendar. Do not be anxious about your imperfection as a wife, as a mother, as a woman. The New Living Translation, it uses the word worry. It says, don't worry. So ladies, don't be anxious. Don't worry about these things. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Fact, we are not going to worry our way into an open calendar, a clean home, or perfection. It's not going to happen. And quite frankly, we're told don't do it. Instead, God, he says, take these things. In fact, all of these things, everything by prayer and supplication. Take those things and through prayer, partner them with thanksgiving and let them be known to God. Let them be known by speaking to him with your mouth. Yes, God knows what you're worrying about, but let's go back to Genesis. God knew where Adam was hiding. He wanted Adam 
to confess it with his mouth. Just the same, he knows what you're worrying about, and he wants you to talk to him about it. But we hide it just like Adam was ashamed and hiding. So, you know, we take this thing we're worrying about, we take prayer, we take supplication, and we take thanksgiving, and we put it all together. High level, let's talk about the differences of these three things. Prayer involves praise. Praising God for who he is, for his character, for his faithfulness. Supplication is bringing a request to him. Here we might be telling him, God, I'm struggling with anger, struggling with frustration, a specific situation that you're facing. Thanksgiving, we thank him for what he has already done. And we thank him in advance for the help that he will give and the answer that is coming even before we see it. But we've got to get to that place where we're ready to talk about this, this place that's unsurrendered. And what we often say is a simple exercise of talking to God. At times, it really does not feel so simple. Sometimes getting to that place where you are ready to talk about it takes work because we're holding that worry, that anxiety to a point where we're actually, we're cradling it, we're protecting it, we're shielding it, we're attempting to control it by our own strength. And no shame at all. I've been there. Surrender is tough stuff. So as you sit there cradling your struggle, I want to share some things with you. You know, God revealed to me in that car that morning that I was cradling some things of my own. And he opened my eyes to choices that were laid out in front of me. And that's what I want to share with you. These things are really nothing profound, but they work. It's interesting. We look for deliverance, expecting to find something mind-blowing or super complicated or expensive, only to find it's all within reach and it's rooted in the basics and it's not complicated at all. I played sports until I was a sophomore. I played basketball, volleyball, and track. And at at that point, my sophomore year, I decided my social life was way more important, which is a different story for another day. But what I remember about all those years playing under all of those coaches, they were consistently preaching the same message. Games are won and lost over the basics. You know, basketball, the free throw line, it's about ball control, um, the serving line, bumping the ball to your teammates, the starting line, the conditioning that you endure. If you're committed to mastering the basics, they said you would find success. And that is a point that directly parallels with our spiritual life. We are always looking for something new to lead us through, like fancy equipment, um, what have you. And all the while, we overlook the fact that victory is found in those basics. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 1, verse 9, in the New Living Translation, it says, History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Most historians believe that Ecclesiastes was probably written by Solomon. Solomon was the wisest person to ever live. And here we find him telling us there is nothing new under the sun. That word right there shuts my mind down from looking for answers anywhere but God's word. So what does God say to this struggling woman that's tired of being stuck in the same fixer mentality who just wants to be released from this thing that's got her bound, this thing that you can't seem to fix. So we look to the word, which it provides an answer to every single one of life's questions. 
when we look to God's word, we see a pattern laid out for surrender. And it's really seen when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Admit, acknowledge, ask, and allow. Admit, acknowledge, ask, allow. We're going to dive into these four areas in more depth in our next episode. But until then, I want to leave you with some things to consider and to reflect on. What I was battling in my car that morning was self-will. It's a battle that I have come to know all too well. And if you are honest, it's also a battle that you yourself know very well. It's, It's God's grace and His grace alone that opens our eyes to see these unsurrendered areas that are within us. As He pours out that grace and these spaces are revealed, our flesh struggles. There is nothing within us that wants to die in that area and let go of that self-will. Self-will is a tough battle to acknowledge. When you choose to acknowledge it, you're admitting that it's you and you alone that's standing in the way of lowering those walls within your heart and allowing the Lord to step in. But it's a battle that's every bit worth it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I'm leaving you with three questions today. The first, are you currently taking everything to God in prayer? Do you believe he wants to hear it? Because he does. The Bible is the infallible word of God. It says it. He said it. It's truth. There is no changing what he has said. So any belief that he does not want to hear What's going on in you is not biblical. The second question I want you to process is when you pray, do you follow this pattern that's outlined for us, the prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving? And do you really have a grasp on the differences between these three components? If not, spend this week searching it out. And as you get it figured out, write that prayer out. It's okay to do this. And actually, it's really helpful for those of us that are so easily distracted in prayer. The third question we're going to ponder, what are your thoughts on sanctification? I already told you we're diving into this in a different episode, but where do you stand on it right now? Start thinking about it. Have you looked at your faith as a one and done sort of thing? Or are you open to pushing forward, growing closer to Jesus and allowing him that access to every space within you? And while you're waiting for the next episode to drop, Soak your spirit in the verses that we went over. You can find them in today's episode notes or by hopping over to SheChooses.com. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. I pray you were encouraged by the message you heard today. And I pray that the choice before you the one that leads to Jesus is shining bright in front of you. Until next time, let's be intentional. Let's be focused. Let's be diligent. And let's be the she's that choose Jesus.